the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. So what is your profession? Imagine being a teacher with all the best intentions, a journalist with all the best intentions, a a marketer with all the best intentions of doing a really good job of being excellent. But you find yourself within a school, within a newspaper, within a corporation that is going a little bit ideologically off the rails in your mind. And you're still trying to keep your job. And the pressure is so great that you have to nod your head when they decide to put Dylan Mulvaney in a Bud Light ad. You have to nod your head when they decide to have woke kindergarten. You have to nod your head when your publication or whatever news entity you work for decides to publish a story or cover a story in a way that you know is absolutely wrong. But for the sake of your job, You've just got to go along to get along. You've got kids at home. You've got bills to pay. You've got a future to consider. So you keep your head down and you keep keeping on, even though what you see happening inside your organization is wrong. Now, imagine you're with the intelligence apparatus in Washington, D.C., the CIA, the FBI, the Department of Justice, and you see the same thing. And you see your leadership rotting away and you see truth becoming fiction and fiction becoming truth. And you can't do anything about it because your higher ups, your future, the pushback, all of it will put your job at risk. Imagine that. Imagine that you have to go along to get along in spite of the fact that you're trying to protect national security. Imagine that. Our next guest doesn't have to imagine that. He's lived it, and he's here to tell about it. J. Michael Waller has a new book out. It's called Big Intel. You can find it everywhere. He is our guest next. Welcome to the Michelle Tafoya Podcast. Well, before we began recording, you gave me permission to call you Mike. So I'm going to call you Mike. Um, but Jay Michael Waller, thank you for joining the show and to talk about this book. You know, it's interesting when I was kind of looking into your book, I noticed there's sort of this subculture, if you will, or a group of people with your background that really seem to want to expose big intel, if we want to call it that. There's big pharma, big, you know, uh, and is that an accurate assessment on my part? Is there a growing number of people who are looking to show us something we don't really see all that often? There are a lot of people from the inside who understand the value of intelligence and counterintelligence. They've devoted their lives to it, and they see it being permanently damaged by the change in culture in the intelligence community. Few of them can speak out because they don't want to face the peer pressure of it, or they don't want to lose pensions or contracting opportunities. So they're pretty silent. So it takes those of us who are not dependent on these things to speak for them. Yeah. What, what is driving you to speak out? 
it was really a frustration with how our intelligence services are not serving the national interest anymore, that they've become politicized, even beyond Democrat and Republican. They're taking us down a, a, a way where the country has not voted to go and most of the people don't want to go. They view themselves as what they call agents of change, which is illegal when you have an intelligence service purposely out there to change the culture of our country, something's really wrong. How did this start? What is the genesis of this issue? Because this seems wild to me that these intelligence agencies could actually absorb these change agents and not only absorb them, but promote them. Well, I was pretty skeptical when I first started researching this. I mean, I'd been aware of the changes for a long time, but I thought, oh, that's just me, or that's just the circle of people that I talk to. But then when I actually sat and read the executive orders of President Obama and the the instructions and the internal manuals from the FBI and the CIA and their, and their started talking to more people, I realized this is really bizarre. So what you're seeing in the military now, what you're seeing in public education, what you're seeing at Disney, it's all happening in the FBI and the CIA. It's just mainly unseen. So when we talk about, when you say what we're seeing, it seems like this trend, beyond a trend now, I think, this move uh, for diversity, equity, inclusion, um, there's a lot of the sort of interests that are outside the mainstream, kind of fringe interests being being pushed. Is that what you mean when you say what, what's happening? Cultural right. Marxism? Yeah, yeah. And it's it's not simply that, well, we have to understand that the world is changing. We have to understand the cultures and the subcultures. This is what you need to know as an analyst, or we need to recruit people from those sub subcultures so they can, you know, we can have effective intelligence collection and analysis and operations in those areas or effective law enforcement with those communities. That's all perfectly understandable. But when it becomes an ideology that's internal to the bureaucracy, and if you do not go along with that ideology, and you can't be true to yourself, and you can't get promoted by being true to yourself. So you get promoted by going along with this false ideology that goes against everything you've ever believed. And it's really against your mission as an intelligence officer or analyst or law enforcement officer. Hi, everyone. If you've been injured in an accident that was not your fault, listen up. We have legal professionals standing by to answer your questions for free. Call now and find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Call 800-702-5400. I'm here with spokesman John Wolfe. So, John, tell everyone listening who should call right now. Well, Maria, first off, thank you for having me here. It's always nice to answer the listeners' questions. Now, as far as who should call in, anyone who's been injured in an accident and think you deserve compensation, give us a call right now. 800-702-5400. You'll find out if you have a case and how much it's potentially worth. Thanks, John. You heard it, folks. Take advantage of this opportunity and call now. 800-702-5400. Advertisement sponsored by Legal Help Center may not be available in all states. Well, well, let's start there. The, The overall mission of intelligence, as I understand it, is to collect intelligence and counterintelligence to keep national security, to keep domestic security, to keep the country safe. You tell me, what is the overall mission of our intelligence agencies, at least the pure mission that was original to it? Sure. It's a pretty simple mission. It's to collect information secretly around the world 
using, you know, penetrating areas that are being denied to us so that the other guys don't know what we have and what we're doing to collect that information. That's called intelligence collection. And then to analyze it and to create a conclusion or a product or a prediction to inform the presidents and the president's designees so that they can make adequate national security and foreign policy decisions. On the flip side of it, you have counterintelligence, which is to combat and counter the efforts of foreign intelligence services that are doing that to us. And then you have on the operations side, the covert operations end, which is a very different thing, using uh, agents around the world to create events, to change events, to influence events to the advantage of our country so that we don't have to use military force. So if that is the mission, how has it changed? Well, imagine if you cannot be an objective intelligence analyst anymore because you don't subscribe to this official ideology that's imposed on you. Or if you collect intelligence and come to a conclusion that runs against that official ideology. That means that the post-truth society that's become part of our popular culture now, and it's invaded journalism and so much else, uh, scholarship and so much else, is now has now pervaded the intelligence community so the truth is not the truth anymore. Now, it's compounded in intelligence because sometimes you have to work with untruths as part of the nature of it. But when you're when you're deceiving yourselves and deceiving one another, you're bas- you're deceiving your leadership of the country and then providing bad information for bad decisions. So so when a man is no longer a man and a woman is no longer a woman, basic facts like that, and you are forced to accept those basic facts. So diversity, equity and inclusion doesn't mean diversity of thought. It means orthodoxy of thought. And if you don't go ahead and, and buy into it, you're perceived as contributing to a toxic work environment and you're not promoted or you're, or you're not allowed to do your job. The you same in law enforcement. So imagine if the FBI gathers information on you that's not true, but they say it's true. And they present it as evidence in court and it's not true, but they say it's true. Or they deny true evidence to exonerate you. Or deny true evidence to go after a real bad actor like a spy or a terrorist. But, oh, we can't do that because it's racist to go after somebody from a certain part of the world. I mean, when you think of that, and then you think the people sworn to defend us in the FBI and the CIA, so many of them don't believe in our constitutional founding principles. They think that the founding fathers were racist. They were setting up a system to perpetuate racism. We have an evil system. We have to atone and flagellate ourselves for the sins of our forefathers. Um, our Judeo-Christian ethic is oppressive and racist and, and all the way down to, you know, every aspect of life is racist. Then these are the people we want defending our country for us. They're not, they're, they're ruining our country and they're taking us down a path that foreign hostile powers had laid for us to follow. So uh, how high does this go? In other words, I can see how young college grads would come out of academia and uh, have this have this ideology and want to further it within these institutions. But what I hear you saying is this is much higher up, that it is it is being injected into the system by people with a lot of power. Right. So it was there. So you, when you're recruiting intelligence officers, you have to recruit from a wide variety of, of views because you need people with different backgrounds and different traits and different ways of looking at the world to look at a lot of the same material, same evidence, and come to different conclusions. And that way you get the best answers. That's the way intelligence should really work. It doesn't always work that way or often 
doesn't work that way because of just the way bureaucracies are. That's okay because you can deal with that. But but when you're bringing in a lot of new hires and you're only recruiting from that base, so if you look at the CIA's recruitment ads, they're only recruiting from the woke, um, uh, you know, radical cultural Marxist base. Same with the FBI. If you go to at FBI jobs on Twitter X, you'll see the same thing. They're just targeting these demographics with the exception of certain technical skills that they need. So, so this started really after 9-11 when there was a huge hiring to buck up our national security community. So a lot of people were brought in. They were not carefully vetted. I know because I was a graduate professor and many of my students went in and many of them were the best people on earth, the exact people you'd want to be in intelligence at the FBI. Others were absolutely the opposite. So, but, so that's, that's just my one perspective, but think of how the universities are across the country, shaping people to think the way they're being shaped to think if Harvard is any, you know, it's your, is your well, five-star example. Is- yeah, that, that is a great example. And I think it exposed a lot about all of the Ivy Leagues because you can assume, and we saw it with MIT and Penn, and and it looks like Dartmouth is starting to to try to turn it, right, its ship. But so what do we do about this? I mean, this is, it's truly concerning. I think so many of us in the last several years have said, wait a minute, the news media, the politicians, our leadership they're telling us things that we see are just not th- their lies. When they say the border is secure or the border is closed and we have drone footage of quite the opposite and we have busloads of people coming from the both borders, really, into cities. And, you know, it was really smart, I think, for Governor Greg Abbott and Governor Ron DeSantis to bring some of these people into cities where it would get noticed more. It's not just Texas. It's not just Arizona. It's not just California. So we see this with our own eyes. And yet our our government officials are telling us otherwise. So I think we are starting to see the gaslighting. What do we do? It's easy to get discouraged. But yes. we don't have to be because there's still a little time. And without being too overly optimistic to get back to your other question. So the, the rot comes from the bottom, but it also came from the top because when the intelligence community was centralized, people like Obama came in who did have this cultural Marxist agenda, imposed this from the top and across the community. Now, that was all done by executive order, meaning by a presidential decree that has no standing in law. So right. the next president can come in and simply repeal that stuff, forbid it from being done. The bureaucracy has to comply. So that's one good thing. So if the next president comes in with the right team of people who are unified, who get it, go through all those previous executive orders and the ones that Biden has put place in place, repeal them. Have your own executive orders pre-written and have your own personnel pre-cleared and pre-placed to go in and start taking over. And the bureaucracies will generally comply with what the top says, even if they do it kicking and screaming. So that's part of it. I would split up the CIA into two different organizations, one for covert ops and one for collecting and analyzing intelligence and downsize them, especially the analytical side, because there's a lot of waste and wokeness and you can't fire federal employees easily, but you can't abolish their positions. Same with the FBI. Keep its important elements. It performs functions that we need. And there's still a lot of good people in there. But break up the FBI into different organizations in an orderly way. Transfer those functions to other agencies that currently perform them or are adequate for them and who aren't as woke as the FBI has become 
and then let the FBI go into history as something that's done its job. But in terms of branding, the FBI brand to law enforcement is like Bud Light is to beer. So let's just get rid of that. And finally, and this is where every citizen has a real role to play, we have to pay attention to who we elect as our county sheriffs. We don't think of sheriffs. We don't, many of us don't even know what they do. And yeah, we vote for them, but how many people really grill the sheriff candidate for that election? We need to, because they are the eyes and ears of the FBI and these other abusive agencies when they come into our communities. FBI doesn't have its own people in the communities. They have small field offices or some large ones in large cities, but they need the local cops and the local sheriffs. But the sheriffs can say no. And federal authorities cannot enforce state laws unless they've been deputized as state agents. And the sheriffs routinely deputize FBI agents to go and investigate laws. Sometimes it's necessary to do. But in the times when the sheriff feels it's abusive to the population, FBI is overstepping its authority, Justice Department is out of control or whatever, they can say, you know what, we're not going to deputize you and we're not allowed to hinder what you're doing, but we're not going to help you. So we have to ask every incumbent sheriff and every candidate, what are they doing to make sure federal authorities aren't abusing their authority in our localities? And then what can we do to help the sheriffs? Because the sheriffs need public support. That is really interesting. That That is a, a new one to me, and I'm glad to have heard it. Um, so you, you said you don't want to sound too hopeful. Does that mean that you're more pessimistic than you are optimistic about our situation? Well, if I was optimistic, I wouldn't be digging into these terrible, dark places uh, because because there are real dangers to us here. I, mean, I grew up being you know, idolizing the FBI. I, I worked for CIA Director Bill Casey. I, I know the agencies and the people in them really well, and I have for 40 years, so it's really painful to see what's been happening to it over a long time, but it's sort of like we've been We've been neglecting our health all our lives, and now we have stage four cancer because we never went to get a good diagnosis and then get on a regimen for what to do when we had stage one cancer. Can we save the patient? I hope we can save the patient. But if you look at the hiring since 9-11, okay, 23 years now of hiring, of and, and you've got a whole cultural shift within the FBI and the CIA, if you're in government service 23 years, you're now in the senior management. You're running the nerve center. So so you're controlling the organizations. And if you have people on top who are either uh, clueless and not letting the bureaucracy run itself or who are malicious and who are helping the bureaucracy move faster than even the bureaucracy wants to move. And then you're quoting incompetent and politicized people through things like DEI then we're going to have an intelligence apparatus that's uncontrollable. Just like Chuck Schumer said, you know, the highest ranking Democrat in the, in the Senate said when Trump was coming in 2017 and Trump said, I'm going to go after all of this. Schumer said, if you go after the intelligence community, they have six ways from Sunday for going after you. So even Schumer was admitting that the Democrats don't even have control of this anymore. So he was admitting we have a state within a state that even a president can't touch that even Congress can't touch. That means our country is in grave danger and our whole constitutional way of life is just becoming whatever the courts happen to interpret it to be. You have put yourself out there with this, with this book um, and you have 
taken the, the, the risk, the courageous steps that many, like you said, are afraid to take because of pension or retribution or whatever it is. What have you faced in the way of those things? How many friends have you lost? What, what, is, what has been the pushback that you've received for, for your stance on all of this? I know my views have been unwelcome, and I'm concerned that some people who I've talked to are going to be pulled in and, and uh, uh, polygraphed or disciplined. So I've cut off relations with a lot of people, but a lot of new people keep coming to me. So there are people on the inside who want to fix it, but you know, put yourself in their shoes. They're stuck. This is their livelihood. They have families. They have bills to pay. And if they're whistleblowers, the system's going to come down and crush them, as we've already seen. And and or they want to keep their clearances, leave, but keep their clearances so they can get contracting jobs or work elsewhere in the government where they're still welcome. But it's not easy to do. And then you have others who are saying, well, we're I'm just a few years from my pension. I'm just going to keep my head down. Those people are part of the solution for the future, but they're part of the problem now because they're not speaking out, but they can't speak out. So it takes some retired people. A lot of retired people are working with people on the inside and they're they're helping bring the word out, too. So uh, in terms of myself, I'm just going to keep keep working because we still do have a First Amendment and we still have free speech. And I'm going to be speaking freely for as long as uh, the system allows. So I, I guess the last thing I would ask you, you talk about truth and we're in a post-truth era. That is a that is a scary phrase. And I want to make sure I understand what you mean by that. So can you define or describe what a post-truth era is? When you cannot tell the truth anymore because it will be offensive to people. So when the, when the Biden administration shut down the Trump administration's program, a huge counterintelligence program against communist China, and the Biden people said, we're shutting it down because it's racist. It's not racist. It's fighting the Chinese Communist Party, which has the most in pervasive spy apparatus on earth. So you cannot go after them because they're racist. You think of arguing before juries now of people who can't hear the truth because they watch so much TV and they're sucked into so much entertainment and they buy into all this junk about how racist our society is. And you can't tell the truth to a jury because it will trigger them into making a non-fact-based decision against you. Or conversely, the other side is using it to have the jury make a non-fact-based decision against you. So, so, so either way, offense or defense, you're, you, you, it, you don't have a, you don't have a truthful society. The same thing where when I was working on an FBI program that, that I was part of a group, we pioneered this um, after 9-11 to train FBI agents and analysts how to detect jihadis in the United States when they didn't act like jihadis. Where were the mosques? All, most mosques in America are fine, but some of them are controlled by groups like the Muslim Brotherhood or, or you know, shelter terrorists. How do you detect which ones are which? And then how do you work with Muslim communities to help them to help us? Because they were afraid to come forward. We were shut down in 2006 because it was viewed as a bigoted, racist program <laughs> and these were the, the was that the was that an excuse to shut it down Is, yeah, or, yeah or they just shut that, it down that was an excuse yeah but so so in other words understanding that that could help national security could help protect you know our interior it, it, but 
they didn't really want to do that. So they use the excuse of racism or are they firmly believing this is racist? You can't do this. And both. therefore, the, is it both? both? We had the we had the direct support of FBI Director Robert Mueller to do this program. And he and he recognized us all officially, you know, citations, official citations and everything. We were doing it as contractors. And then all of a sudden he shut it down because he was getting so much pressure from groups calling him a racist and saying it's a racist program that they just shut the whole thing down. There's been no replacement for that. This was in 2006. Wow. Well, I, you know, I, I didn't get a lot of sleep last night, so I was already feeling kind of down. <laughs> now <laughs> I feel really down. <laughs> uh, I, I like to finish these conversations with this question. What gives you hope? Well, history gives us hope because we've had these problems before. In World War II, our intelligence service was full of Stalinist agents. And President Truman and his Republican coalition created something new and got rid of them and created the CIA and the, the whole Cold War security apparatus that if you don't maintain it properly, it's going to decay like anything else. And it wasn't maintained properly. So history gives hope that it's happened to us before. The second thing is, you know, we, we, American people, we can have the wool pulled over our eyes a lot and we're really tolerant and we tolerate a lot of stuff that we hate because we're so good hearted as people. But when we realize we're in danger, then we're going to fight back. So I think there's a lot of resistance from the grassroots. We still have good people inside the system. We still have a Congress that might or might not do the right thing, even if even if friends are in control of everything. If so, we have the right president with the support of Congress like Trump had in 2017. He just didn't go ahead with it. He's learned his lesson this time. and He's going to go ahead if he's if he's elected. But each of us, you know, we have to thank God for our sheriffs and that system where we elect them directly and we can meet them all directly and we can support the ones who need supporting and vote out the ones who need voting out. And so we still have a lot left in our system that allows us to resist. So I, I lied. That wasn't the last question. Um, it's hard for people now to look at elections and feel faithful in their results, given some things that we've seen uh, and for the last election in 2020, for it to immediately be labeled as the safest, most secure, fairest election in the history of the country. I'm not sure how you prove that within days of an election, given the number of people who voted in this country, but that's, that's the truth we were sold. Um, I, I am willing to live with the results of that election. I'm not one of these election deniers, but I think you can still accept it, but have questions about how things went and the process and the procedure and are, are things fair? What, what can you tell us about that so that we believe when we go to the polls here in 2024, it's going to matter? Oh, I can't tell you anything that's going to make you believe it's going to matter in that regard. We have to go ahead regardless. But what I would say is, what if we just took the State Department's own standards to judge other countries by the freeness and fairness and openness of their election process? We'll go to Jimmy Carter and the Carter Foundation's electoral program that they have for monitoring elections around the world and use Jimmy Carter's own standards for free and fair elections. You'll find that they don't apply to the way the American elections have been. So if they we don't. just apply our own government standards that we on which we judge other countries, we'll be okay. Hmm. Well, with that, 
here we are in 2024 and uh it's everyone seems to think it is pivotal we say that every four years for some reason this time feels a little different but i guess um I guess we'll find out. Uh, but Mike, I so appreciate the work that you've done and your willingness to to come forward and, and share it with the rest of us. You certainly have an inside look and um, best of luck with the book. Thanks, Michelle. Well, I, I finish every day and I'll say it again because uh, I think Mike took a certain dose of courage to, to, to have a stance that is not that popular with his old friends, some of them. Uh, and he's doing something good with it. So, um, as I always say, be brave, do good, and we will see you next time. And the reporters here, Matt Taibbi, Michael Schellenberger, they are as solid as they come. Uh, the CIA director at the time was John Brennan. He has shown himself to be completely and totally partisan and completely anti-Trump. Uh, he currently serves as an MSNBC analyst, and his sole job is to bash Trump at every turn. So when you listen to John Brennan on TV now and you see this reporting and the reporters that are behind it, again, it's not hard to believe that Barack Obama and therefore his CIA would spy on Donald Trump in an attempt to stop him from becoming president and after he became president to make his job as difficult as possible, guys. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.